0: Hello, everyone. It is Friday here at Locked On Canadians, and that means it is the mailbag day. We have questions about, again, trading for Pierre-Luc Dubois, trading (laughs) Brendan Gallagher and Joel Armia, and what's the ultimate ice cream cone? All that and more inside today's Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 662 of Locked On Canadians, your only 100% pantsless Montreal Canadiens podcast in the summer. I am- 50%,
1: one of- 50%. <laughs> Speak for yourself.
0: <laughs> we will leave. <laughs> I'm not editing any of this. This is all staying in. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. As you can tell- um, we are very much back on our bullish right now. It is Friday. That means it is the Friday mailbag. Laura, we got so, 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 so many questions, and only a few are about trading for Pierre-Luc Dubois this time, so we are down on our numbers. we got to pump those back up because content. How are you doing uh, going into this weekend?
1: I'm excited with all of the questions that we got. The listeners are giving us a lot to debate and talk about and we really, really appreciate that. And we're excited because next week kicks off our guest series and we're gonna invite as many people as possible and we think we've got something special lined up for the next couple of weeks, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. We want to, int- to talk to members of the Habs community. We're also going to talk to fans of rival teams. We're going to talk to some more prospect experts now that the Canadians have drafted, um, and we're also going to bring on some of our favorite people, Habs analysts, and things like that. We're working on so much stuff. We're going to be going through, including the the, the rookie tournament, and then you know World Juniors, or the other way around we're not going to have a shortage of content but we will be down to three days a week
0: yes so we will be uh episodes in your inbox monday wednesday and friday every single week we will have breaking news if kent hughes decides to ruin our summer vacation kent we are watching you here buddy we are watching you he's gonna
1: choose every single day that we've already recorded an episode he's gonna do something big so then we have to do like another bonus episode when we're not supposed to
0: it is my anniversary this weekend, which then means he's going to do something on Saturday. The PLD. day of my anniversary. <laughs> it's going to be PLD for me on my on our anniversary. Anyways, we're going to jump right into the mailbag. We have so many questions. As always, if you want to send us your questions, at LO underscore Canadians, Canadian at gmail.com. Don't be a jerk in the YouTube comments. And Laura, kick us off. What do we have in there today?
1: So we've got a friend of ours uh, who asked on Instagram. So you can also send us questions on Instagram if you like. uh, And that's our friend Carm, who we brought up on the show before. Hey, guys, I figured I'd send my mailbag question to both of you this time. I wanted your opinion on this thought. Am I the only one that's a bit bothered by the fact that PLD asked for trades from both teams that he played for? It kind of seems like he's quick to quit, and this is a sentiment that not only Carm has told us. Um, he it, it's it's come up in our YouTube comments a little bit. I've seen some conversations on Reddit about that as well. So Scott, what are your thoughts on PLD asking for trades from both teams that he's been on so far?
0: I think I'm not shocked that he asked for trades out of either situation because from discussions we've had off air with various people around the league, uh, Columbus was a mess at the time that he wanted to leave. He, went to, he got to go to Winnipeg to be in the same organization as his father. And the fit seemed to be there. And now we've seen Winnipeg as a whole is very clearly just this toxic mess of a room with various names popping up repeatedly. And I'm not shocked that he wants to leave because if anyone is paying attention, Winnipeg seems like a team that is going to be trending downward rapidly soon. And he's entering his prime. You don't want to be the captain of the sinking ship. Not that he's the captain, but you don't want to be one of the main people driving a sinking ship. You want to get the most out of your best years and cash in. And I think that's kind of where this is coming from. He sees the writing on the wall. He's not a stupid person at all. And I think he sees that, hey, this seems like a real bad situation that I should probably get myself out of before it damages my value overall, too.
1: I think you can see this both ways like I I understand why people do think that because he has been he has asked for trades, but at the same time, if you look at, you know, if, if you kind of look at the way that you can handle a toxic situation is you just kind of quietly sort of deal with it, and it hurts you. Or you try to take charge of your own career. And so sometimes you can see this as like him being assertive. Like it's no longer the old way of of doing hockey where everybody's supposed to be quiet and and not, you know, not, not rock the boat. Like you can see this as a positive. If you kind of look at the context of the situation and, you know, who was the coach and what the room was like and everything that you're hearing, obviously we can't confirm anything that we've heard. If we could, we would report it, but there seems to be a toxic atmosphere in the Winnipeg Jets locker room and there seemed to be at the time a toxic atmosphere in the columbus blue jackets locker room as well we've got two questions uh from two different people but they're both about the same thing so the first one is from chris b how do we trade gallagher serious question third liners can't make six million just like goalies can't make ten million and another one from Sea dog mailback question gallagher is making 6.5 million and looking like he'll be on the third line which is too expensive for that role do you think any team would take a chance on him would the Jets maybe be interested in a Dvorak Gallagher plus, say, a third-round pick for Dubois? That would give us the cap space to sign Dubois and Doc. And the Jets have $14.5 million in cap space and have 17 players already signed. So these two questions are both kind of focused on, is there a market for Gallagher and should he be traded?
0: There's always a market for players like Brendan Gallagher. Guys who work hard get paid in the NHL. And Brendan Gallagher works harder than anyone... I'm also not on the trade him train. I get the I get the thought process. it looks like he's gonna be on the third line and I don't think he's going to be on the third line for long because we don't know who's gonna be on the second line right now. We know roughly who might be on the first line. and you know what? you can probably put Brendan Gallagher on the first line and have him play off wing or move Cole around. it'll probably be fine. He's a heart and soul guy that you know trading him, we talk about how oh, tough decisions Kent Hughes has had to make. Trading a fan favorite like Brendan Gallagher is tough, especially with Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of being up in the air with this fan base right now. I, I get the idea of doing it, and I think there would be a market for him immediately. A team like Calgary, who needs you know a winger now that they're likely to lose Kachuk and they already lost Johnny Gaudreau. Winnipeg would probably love a player like Brendan Gallagher. He fits what that coaching staff wants. Every team would take a guy who hustles every shift, can score 20 to 25 goals, loves to get in front of the net and everything. He does all those little things right. But I also think that's why Martin St. Louis is going to want him around still because Gallagher just does the things that you know he needs to. He gets it and it makes sense. I do understand the idea of wanting to trade him to create that cap space, but I do not think he is high on that priority list right now for Ken Hughes to trade.
1: That's exactly it. I, I agree with you and also like we don't know how he's gonna be after he recovers from his injury, right? So he's had this off season to kind of work on that and rest and maybe he comes into camp and he blows people away and he and he moves up to the second line.
0: Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's like he's recovering from God only knows what this past year, hip, hand, back, face, everything. Like, dude's a busted up get mess after this last season. He played through it all smartly or wrongly there, but I wouldn't write him off just yet. I think we're going to see a reinvigorated Brendan Gallagher this year. And I know, yes, he's a little bit older now than he was, but he's still Brendan Gallagher. He's still got all the metrics to back him up. We have so many more mailbag questions, and we're going to get into all those coming up in one moment. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends at betonline.net, and they are the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Major League Baseball is in full swing. The NFL season is looming in the background. College football is looming. There's always MMA, boxing, and golf. And they and Bet Online is your top resource for all your wagering info, live in-game betting, scores, podcast, news, whatever. So go check out Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. Bet Online, where the game starts. We are back with our Friday mailbag. As always, you can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. Send us emails at LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Drop a comment on YouTube. Just, you know, abide by the rules. Be nice. Play nice in the sandbox and everything. Laura, what else is in our mailbag today?
1: We've got one from our good friend, Victor Maxwell. Mailbag question. Pierre-Luc Dubois for Primo, Hoffman, Dvorak, and a second round pick.
0: I mean, I would do that in a heartbeat. I'm not sure Winnipeg would. Um, I I think there, no matter what, I think Dvorak is a piece in this. And I think at least a second round pick is likely a piece in this. I imagine there is another prospect going the other way. Still. I don't think it's going to be a ghoulie. I don't think it's going to be a Slavkovsky or anything like that, but I think you're going to have to give to get, and it might be Caden Primo. I wouldn't recommend that just because of the goaltending situation and, uh, giving up on young goalies never seems like a good idea. But looking at that trade, it's, hey, yeah, we're shedding a lot of cap and getting a guy back. And the other team is taking on a lot of cap for players that we don't necessarily need. Um, just because we say yes, because we are on one side of the fence, doesn't mean the Jets are going to. I I can't help but think this trade is going to be the opposite of the line A Dubois swap originally. And it's going to be a lot of pieces It might involve another team it's going to be weirdly complicated, and now that I've said that, it's going to be a straight swap and not complicated at all. And uh, I will hear about it on Twitter. So
1: don't yell at Scott. I uh, a couple of questions from listener Mo. Hey guys, longtime listener. Hi, um, had a few questions. Please. So I'm going to start with the second question. Um, does it make sense to pursue Pierre Luc Dubois? If Bedard is the focus, I can't see it being sustainable to have PLD and Bedard and Doc and Suzuki. It wouldn't make sense. And we also have Evans and Beck. What is so like? That's question. The question two that I'm I'm, that I'm asking is the first question because it's related to the previous question. I personally think that like. I, you know, we in this fan base, we've talked a lot about getting PLD, getting PLD, getting PLD. But all of this is is like you have you kind of have to think about it. When you have too many young good players, at some point you're going to have to let go of them. And the time that you want that to be is after you win the Stanley Cup, like the LA Kings did, like the Chicago Blackhawks did. Now you don't have to emulate those franchises in a lot of things, but that's essentially what happens when you have a team that wins while young, when you have a lot of really young good players. There's two things about this one. Is one we still have haven't guaranteed that we're getting Pierre-Luc Dubois. And two, there's absolutely no guarantee that the Montreal Canadiens are going to uh, get Bedard. Like, it looks like they, based on a lot of things, which we will talk about in next week's uh, next week's uh, podcast, because I wanted to bring up some of the interviews and things like that that I've been listening on with with our guests. But um, it seems like they're doing a two to three-year tank, essentially. But not necessarily like an outright blatant tank, but more of a, we're going to accept being bad for a couple of years in order to get higher draft picks but the young players are still going to be developed so for me i don't know if like like either way you can't guarantee pld and you can't guarantee guarantee bedard so what do you do in this case
0: i still think you go for pld because like i said you're not guaranteed bedard and chicago literally burnt their team to the ground the sharks hired david quinn like there's competition for teams that are going to be bad this year I think the Canadians are going to draft inside the top five to seven unless something drastic changes here, which is fine. They got the first overall pick. They had another pick. They have more picks in this draft too. I think they can continue the rebuild whether or not they get Conor Bedard. Getting Connor Bedard speeds things up exponentially. Do not get me wrong. If they get Connor Bedard, I'm going to tap dance. That's great. However, there's no guarantees at this, and you know what Pierre-Luc Dubois is. He's likely a high-end, second-line center, potential 1B to Nick Suzuki's 1A, 1B kind of situation here. We don't know what Doc is, and we don't know what Beck ceiling is. We know Jake Evans kind of caps out as a bottom-six center here. You can never have too many good players when you're trying to win the Stanley Cup. You deal with the fallout afterwards, like you said. Like, the Kings basically had to burn it to the ground. Chicago is currently burning it to the ground because they had to pay for all these guys who won them the Cup— Tampa is somehow still dancing around the cap. I don't understand how. You don't want to be Vegas, though, where you get desperate and just make big trades and sign people for things you can't afford. But I still say, what's the harm in having Suzuki and PLD and Bedard and Doc and Evans? Sure, you might have to move some guys to the wing or this or that, or you trade them in the future, but that's a future problem. I'd rather have too many good players at once than be scrambling to try and find the next savior in the draft and hope for the best, honestly.
1: So Mo has two more questions. What kind of return would you expect for Druin Anderson Hoffman and Dvorak? And also what is a realistic scenario for our future as a franchise?
0: Uh, Druin Hoffman. I wouldn't expect a ton. I also don't think they're going to trade Druin at least not at before the deadline this year. They may trade him at the deadline, Uh, to a team there Hoffman. If you can just get him off the cap and you get any kind of pick or like middling prospect back, you're, you're doing found money. Uh, Like we talked about with Christian Dvorak the other day. I think, I think there's value there for a team that sees, Hey, he got injured and had a very strong second half of the season. And Josh Anderson, I think is someone that a team will give up a good chunk for just because of his unique playing style and the way that he's built He's everything a G an old school GM looks for in a player. If you can find an old school GM, who's going to look at that and go, he's fast. He's big. He's menacing all that other stuff. They will give you the sun and the moon for him. So you got to find the right target for that. Um, Again, a team like Calgary that lost a bunch of pieces this off season is going to lose some bite with Matthew Kachuk leaving may very well love a player like Josh Anderson. Uh, Sorry to our friends at the scorch stack. Um, At least he's handsome. So um, if I'm ranking a tier on this, Anderson's your most valuable, then Dvorak, then probably Drew in, then Mike Hoffman. Uh like I said, now that we have uh 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 sat down to record this, everything's going to break loose this weekend and we'll probably render this out of date. So that's just our jinx.
1: So we've got one more question, I think, in in this segment, and that is from listener Bill V, who is a new listener. Um, and thank you for all the nice things that you said in your email. Uh And the question is, I know the Habs don't have a lot of money left under the cap, but if they free up some money via trade, like they did with Petrie, can you see them supplementing their roster by going after a player or two that could make a difference? I see Strawman is still available, but more realistically, a player like Will Butcher or Chris Russell to bring a veteran presence on defense to help fill a void in experience. I would also love to see them get some decent professional tryout players on training camp, veteran types, to see if they can help out at all. What are your thoughts?
0: My thought is they got to move people out first. And there's too much smoke around P.K. Subban to Montreal that like I can see it on a reduced deal. You bring him back for two years, max, maybe three, depending on the price. And you have a guy that, you know, loves the city. Fans love him. And he fits that veteran mentorship role for some of these younger guys who play with instinct and with aggression like Martin St. Louis wants. I'm not sold on a piece like Chris Russell, because that feels like just going the David Savard route again. And this team wants to modernize. And I, there's it. And else it, it's hard to say there's so much out there that we don't know what's going to happen yet. And we're due for one of those prizes, like Michael for coming in on a PTO or Thomas Fleischman, and then getting a contract out of that. As we get closer to camp, depending on who's out there in free agency, I think we'll see something, but I wouldn't expect too much at least not right now we're entering the doldrums there's like maybe a week of transactions left until everyone gets really bored and goes away till the end of august uh we do have plenty of more mailbag questions coming up remember if you want to send them to us at lo underscore canadians lockdown canadians at gmail.com we're going to dive into the rest of your questions coming up next All right, we are back. It is our final segment of the Friday Mailbag. Remember, like I said, at LO underscore Canadians, if you want to tweet us your questions, Canadians at Gmail, YouTube comments, Instagram DMs, whatever, we are always game. Laura, what do we have left?
1: Our friend Logan, I live near Orlando and plan to go to a Trois-Rivera versus Solar Bears game. Any Habs prospects I should look out for? Also, I'm trying to understand the different leagues in terms of level of play and place in player development
0: so i couldn't tell you who's going to be on the lions this year just because i don't know what the team looks like um to be quite fair with you uh and i don't want to tell you this player will be there and then they're not uh, or they're in love out. exactly like it's a very influx situation uh in terms of how things go I'm going to start from you where they usually get players usually get drafted out of uh, in North America because I believe that's where you're most interested in learning about. You have the CHL, which is the Ontario Hockey League, the Western Hockey League, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the three leagues that make up that. They are drafted, they usually go to the AHL, which is the step below the NHL, and then the ECHL, which is usually. Some AHLers, some prospects, if you're in a situation like Toronto where you have a ton of prospects at different levels, and we've talked about it a lot on this show, you also have players that come out of like the BCHL or the AJHL, the OJHL, which are a step below the CHL levels who usually go on to play in college, uh, the NCAA or out of the USHL where they go into college from there. Those are uh, junior leagues there. in terms of development, the ECHL generally isn't hasn't been a development league in the past. It's been just kind of a feeder league for the AHL, where some teams usually let their prospects go, and it's changing more and more rapidly now that more teams are getting more picks, more prospects. There's more players. They put some of their guys there to make sure they're ready to go, and then they bring them up to the AHL and so forth. Um, we are happy to elaborate on this further if you have any more questions. Uh we could talk about this for the rest of the episode, but we have so many other things to get there. I want to make sure we are able to answer other questions
1: as well. Also, like, I think closer to when the actual season start, we'll know what the Tuaregier roster looks like, and then we'll know which Habs players are being played in the ECHL and who to look out for. So we will hit you back at the beginning of the actual season. Um, Randy Hansen, our old friend, can you see a way for the Habs to trade price to Nashville? I assume he'll be ready to go in September.
0: Uh no, um I don't think now that Nashville just sent Nito rider and they have UC Soros, I uh I can't see them trading carry to Nashville. I truly think if he's going anywhere, it's going to be Seattle or somehow Vancouver. Don't ask me how it's going to work, but I think they're going to move closer to both where he and Angela are from, uh just to kind of ride out the end of his career there. If that's going to be the case. Depending on if a team wants to chase the cup and wants to trade for them, that might change things. But I think they're going back out West above anything else.
1: If they move, he's got if a like a move. literal no move movement clause. Um, and then Randy has another question: Should the NHL follow the MLB and the NFL in having a month of breast cancer pink highlighted uniforms during games? Visibility is important, and so it has to be during the game. So now traditionally the NHL does all of their stuff in warmups, um, and they will wear ribbons on the helmets and things like that. But they haven't really done anything particularly visible. I can't even think of a time when they've worn like pink socks.
0: No, they do purple for uh, Hockey Fights Cancer uh, and everything, and that's across all the leagues, I believe. Um, this is not a new thing is that I do wish that alternate jerseys, like the ones they wore for to honor First Nations tribes uh, across Canada, the Canucks um, in, in particular had very strong uh, Heritage Night jerseys that I think they should be able to wear during games. If you're paying homage to something during one of the months, let them wear them during the game. Who who cares? It's exciting and different, and that's something the NHL, like, doesn't do. The AHL does, like, all over the place. They have, and the ECHL, too, they have so many alternate jerseys for various nights, for charity, and just for fun, that I think the NHL should jump on that, not make it a full-time regular thing. But, like, yeah, wear the hockey fights cancer jerseys during games. Let them do that more than just, like you said, a sticker on the helmet and hockey tape, you know? Actually, make a definitive statement. If your sponsors don't care, if your sponsors are mad that they're wearing a hockey fights cancer jersey, then you drop that sponsor, quite frankly, because uh, there are things more important than having a MasterCard ad on your jersey or something like that, unfortunately. So,
1: Randy Hansen also wants to know what city do you think will host the draft next? So, we've been waiting for this announcement, and there have been three rumored cities right now. Nashville. Scott, Nashville is going to be the one, right?
0: I think it's going to be Nashville. Um, I don't think I'll be able to travel for that one just because I will not make it back from Nashville. Um, I will die in a pile of hot chicken, which is, there are worse ways to go, I guess. But Nashville will be a good time. I thought Vegas was rumored, too, in there.
1: Um, I think they have the all-star game, though. so oh, it was God. All, yeah, <laughs> so that that's one of the reasons why it came up. And then St. Louis. And then here's the thing. Scott, I think we have to go to Nashville. I've covered the all-star game in Nashville before. It's going to be hot as all hell, <laughs> but Nashville is one of the most fun cities in the world. And if we're going to be covering the draft, I do not want to do that without you. Um, all right. A question from so Dylan. So
0: much chicken. So it's be much so hot Oh no! I'm gonna have to eat really hot chicken because food dares. And anyways, that's besides no, the point. All, right, yeah. all right,
1: all right. We we got we still got plenty of questions that we got to get through. Dylan asks us: Do you think there's a market at all for Yoel or Mia with that cap hit and term left?
0: Yes, I think they might have to retain on him a little bit, despite Kent Hughes insisting they won't. Um, a big possession winger who can play bottom six, top six with flexibility. I think. I keep going back to Calgary, but like, I, it feels bad. But they're gonna they have, have no the,
1: forwards left. So.
0: <laughs> like they're gonna have the cap space for it. So like, I think there's a market out there for a player like Armia. just maybe not a hyped up market. But I think there is a market for a player of his type.
1: Uh, and then Pinard eighty eight asks us, who do you think are the candidates, or who would you like to see replace Luke Richardson?
0: This I really haven't had a chance to do as much research on as I would have liked, just because. It, it it's tough because coaches can come out of nowhere. Martin St. Louis was coaching, you know, like minor, minor, minor hockey in Vermont when he got hired to coach the Montreal Canadians. Like it can come out of nowhere. And I don't think they're going to promote anyone from the AHL right now. I wouldn't be shocked if Marty has someone in mind and they're waiting, you know, a little bit for summer to kind of die down to give someone, whoever it is, a little bit of time to relax. I'm not going to be shocked if it's a former teammate, though.
1: Dan quite- Boyle. <laughs> I mean, it's okay, like the three of them were the three, like they were they were buddies when they won the cup, right? Vinny, Marty, and Dan Boyle. That's who I think it's going to be. Uh, that's That's my guess. That's actually, I'm going to put money on it. Unless Dan Boyle is doing something completely different that he doesn't have to do, want to have anything to do with this. Because I feel like I heard he was in maybe the Sharks organization. I can't remember. Either way, He's the, probably the person that that trio is going to call. We've got a few more questions, but these ones are the off-the-rails questions. I will start with Jeff the Red. Other than hockey, what sport do you most enjoy watching live? Mine is basketball because it is really cool. Scott, I'm just going to go ahead and assume if we're not counting wrestling, uh, it is soccer.
0: I've never actually seen a live soccer match in person before, and that's what I assume he meant by live. Um... If not, I do love soccer on uh, football's always good background slash napping noise. So, um, but yeah, soccer would probably be the right bet for that.
1: Uh, in an alternate, in, in an alternate universe where the Montreal Canadiens don't exist, what would be your favorite NHL team? And what team do you think would have the most Stanley cups? Easy Detroit and Detroit.
0: I'd probably, end, I ended up, I liked watching the abs in the two thousands, but given where I live, I would probably would have ended up being a Sabres fan at this point, And I assume, more than likely it would have been Detroit or somehow Philadelphia because the Habs dynasty wouldn't have derailed the Broad Street Bullies in the 70s, unfortunately. So,
1: If you could design a third jersey for the Habs from scratch, what would it look like?
0: Something Expos-themed. That powder blue Expos jersey that we've seen mocked up a lot, I think, would be a really hot seller in Montreal. Um, I think that's where you go. If you're going to have to do blue, you can't do dark blue again. You can't do it. And unless they're going like with an old school throwback, like the Centennials, I think that powder blue exposed colored jersey would be a really smart way to do it.
1: Outfit recommendations for an 80s themed party.
0: Well, I wasn't alive in the 80s, and I'm going to say this as delicately as possible. Laura, how would he dress himself for an 80s party? (laughs)
1: I knew this was coming. Um, The only outfits that I could think of were like the neon, you know, the neon unitards with like the the bike shorts in either a similar or contrasting color. I'm trying to figure out if that was early 90s or 80s, if that qualifies as 80s, because again, I was very young. I I know you like, we're trying, I was also
0: acid wash, like acid wash denim. I'm pretty sure it was an 80s thing like that. And then just get like, and then get like a, a t shirt that has like, I don't want to say pastel, but bright neon colors in font to wear underneath like acid wash denim and everything, you know, bleach dye your hair and go for it. Like go, go all for it. So
1: yeah. And you have to knot your t-shirt at the side. Um, (laughs) All right. There's three more questions. One of them is from our nemesis. Uh, Here's my mailbag question. It's a fun one. This is from Tyler. It's not from my nemesis. It's a fun one. And hopefully you guys use it. If Anakin Skywalker was a hockey player, and he got drafted first overall, but then had his duel before Obi-Wan before training camp in his draft year, and had his limbs cut off and ended up with half the power level he would have had if he was Anakin, if Anakin at full power would have scored 125 points a season, but now Vader now scores 70 points a season. Does that make Darth Vader a bust? I'm a little bit worried about the actual metaphor in this one. Hopefully nobody chops off Slavkovsky's limbs.
0: I, I think getting a 70 point forward is still very good. And the thing is, he just plays a different role. He's not as mobile, but he still puts up points consistently and is still terrifying to play against. Like, you look at Darth Vader in Rogue One... That's a scary, scary dude who knows how to mess people up. Yeah, he doesn't have the agility that Anakin had because literally all of his limbs were cut off because, hey, stupid, he has the high ground. I don't know how to better explain physics to you, but you can't do that. I don't think he's a bust. I think he's playing a different role on the team now, and you need to go find something to supplement that, like a Darth Maul or something to help, make up the production that he would have lost by losing his limbs
1: okay i'm just gonna agree with you because i haven't started my star wars journey yet nobody yell at me it is coming um and at the same time i want to shout out mike obrand uh one of our favorite people who's also a guest on the show and we want to bring him back asap his question was just pld we've already covered that so i'm going to move on to victor maxwell's question that question international ice cream competition three flavors to make the ultimate ice cream cone go
0: chocolate chip cookie dough Mhm. rocky road Mhm. and then i'm gonna cheat a little bit because there's one from a place called lake effect ice cream here that was a bourbon caramel crunch uh, and it was phenomenal and it was great and i would that would be my base layer then rocky road then cookie dough on top
1: okay I'm going with, uh, my base layer would be the, I think it's like chocolate mousse royale. It's the Baskin Robbins flavor with the little chocolate bits in it. And then on top of that, I would put New York Super Fudge Chunk from Ben and Jerry's. Um, and then on top of that, I would put, um, this caramel, salted caramel gelato that they have from this place called Quelli in Montreal. It used to be Paysan. Now it's called Quelly. Um, and that will be my three, uh, flavors. You've got actually two questions for my nemesis. The first one I had to research how do they test sunscreen? Is there a giant compound in the desert with a bunch of pale kidnapping victims being experimented on? And then I like how JJ from Kansas was like, are you looking to get recruited? And (laughs) Will says he'd at least hear their offer. Here's the thing. So I looked this up. They do test for UVB on actual human beings. You volunteer um, and you will wear the sunscreen and be uh, exposed to UVB rays. But UVA is far more dangerous and that is actually unethical to test on human beings so you don't do that they like try to replicate the results in a lab and then there's a certain result that they have to find in order to uh, certify the sunscreen SPF whatever so that is the answer to your question is no they're not kidnapping people and roasting them with UVA rays um and then our final question comes from our nemesis and it is it was an interesting question What's an innocuous milk toast st- statement someone could say that would immediately make you hate that person on a deep primordial level for no explainable reason?
0: So I've had people that I don't know uh, when I've been at work, because I I, for one, to the shock of no one, love energy drinks. And that is part of my thing in the morning. And I always get one before a morning meeting. And i sip on that throughout the morning to get me through you know the early part of the day and i'm good for the rest of the day and then i drink water whatever and there was a new person who was cashing out one day in our cafe area and went this stuff's basically poison scans it and walks away and i'm like i didn't ask for this input on what i am trying to drink in the morning Please just ask if I want a receipt. I, I didn't need an opinion or input on what I am drinking first thing in the morning, unless I was buying a beer, in which case then please check in to make sure everything is okay. Um, any kind of comment about like what you're having for breakfast or for lunch or what you're getting to drink that was not asked for is a very good way to get on my bad side, especially early in the morning.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's anybody who voluntarily, without me asking, tells me about their diet. I yeah. think that's, you know, you want to, you whatever your dietary restrictions, beliefs, philosophies, or whatever are, that's your body, it's not mine. So immediately, I'll get a visceral reaction. I'll just hate that person. Like, even if you just, like, be like, you know, you know what's worked for me lately or something like that? Like, I do nope. not want to hear Don't
0: want to know. No, thank you. Yes.
1: Exactly. That is how it is. And so that is the end of our mailbag uh, this week.
0: Uh, cool. As always, folks, if you want to send us questions at LO underscore Canadians, locked on Canadians at gmail.com in the YouTube comments, etc., etc. smoke signal carrier pigeon coyote strapped to a big Acme rocket that you just launch into one of our cities at some point, we'll figure it out. Uh, if you want to follow Laura, she is at the active stick. I'm at Scott Matlam. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube as we head into our off season We have so much more content coming up for you. So please stay tuned and we will see you all next time.